welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, Sue. So awesome to have you back on the Six Hats podcast. And anyone who hasn't listened to season one, you must, must listen to it. It's all about conversations we can have with our partners. So welcome back, Sue. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Really interesting. We were talking and we were saying, what should we be talking about next? Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to dive into Sue's expertise about perfectionism. And I want to tell initially a story. I remember talking about, you know, often the patients that come to see me, there is an underlying stress reaction going on. As a result, the stress reaction is presented in so many ways from gut health issues, from severe bloating to irritable bowel syndrome, to even thyroid issues female hormonal imbalances. So there's a vast number of symptoms that as a result of high stress, and I always say this, it's about chronic stress. So living with day-to-day stresses. As we go into conversations with patients, we end up at this point of perfectionism. And I remember speaking to a patient about it. You know, I just highlighted the idea that you know, are you more inclined to be perfect and getting things done? And is that a source of your stress response? And she actually shuddered. She actually thought, I just can't even talk about it. I can't go there. The thought about talking about perfectionism gave her so much fear because that was her identity. And I left it at that. And she sort of went away and reflected. And, you know, eventually she made the changes. But often perfectionism is something that's so ingrained and it's often there, you know, from a very young age, it becomes the way of life and it can contribute to stresses. So I'd love to know your opinion on that, Sue. Yeah, and you're so spot on. There is so much stress around that, have things perfect. And it also sometimes presents in a different way in as much as it can be, not that you think things have to be perfect, but you think you have to be at least to a certain level on too many things, right? So that's, high unrelenting standards that we hold ourselves to at times. So sometimes it can be quite specific and be, I have to get the cutlery set up perfectly on the table. And it can be quite as simple as that, but can be pervasive through your life. But also it can be, it's that you're trying to do too many things and you're trying to reach a reasonable standard on too many things. So it doesn't look like you're being a perfectionist. It looks like you're just expecting way, way too much from yourself. And it's like, Can you be, you know, the perfect partner? Can you be the perfect employee? Can you be the perfect business organizer, parent, child, all these different hats that we have? Can you do all those? And you can probably do all the things. You can probably bake the perfect cake, but can you do them all on the same day, every day? So true. I loved how you said that. I'm smiling and laughing, just imagining what that day would look like. But often we put ourselves under that amount of pressure. And that's the point of six hats is just identifying and bringing awareness, how many roles we're constantly juggling. And especially for women, beautifully, like the perfect mum, getting the food ready for the kids in the morning and getting them off to school on time and then getting to work and being the professional and then running the business and then coming home and you're constantly juggling. You're so right. And I'm just sitting here reflecting on that. 
And it's not necessarily your own standard. Like you said, it's, it becomes our wallpaper in life. It's the standards we've learned often from childhood. Either we've copied them from parents or parents have instilled them on us, those high expectations. So it's somebody else's bar we're trying to meet. And we tend to be looking at one of those bars at a time and not all of them. But if you put them all into a job description, you go, wow, <laughs> that's a lot to expect from one human being, right? And often those expectations don't include such things as relaxation nurturance those things are missing so there's that sense of running 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 and one of the tellers is that we've got high expectations of ourselves is that we feel this pressure behind us right we might go i've done a lot i'll sit down and have a cup of tea you sit down and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever and you're sitting there and you go mm, right i've got to do that and there's that and there's that and there's that and there's that and the next thing you're jumping out of chair and you can't enjoy your cup of tea because it's like these high expectations of pushing you off that chair and back into the chaos. Go faster, go faster, get the carrot on the end of the stick. And we can never get there because your entree is never going to be empty. I totally resonate with that. Just today, I decided to go for a walk and just have a cup of tea, you know, in a cafe. It was so hard to just sit there knowing that I've got this list of things to do. And I just wanted to get it done and then relax. And I'm really trying to teach myself to relax in those moments, to have those regular breaks. And you're so right. I was reflecting, my to-do list never ends. It's always there you think you're ticking it off but there's always something that just gets added on to the list so we do have to prioritize relaxation yeah and it's okay to slow down and it's okay to have crinkled clothes for example it's okay to have dishes in your sink it's not a reflection on who you are it so intrigues me that people look at these more external things. And sometimes, you know, it's, it can be education or it can be careers and advancing in your career. It's are you enjoying those things or is it that enjoyment out of those is overshadowed by this pressure of I'm not good enough yet. I'm not good enough yet. Ooh, I'd love to go deeper into that than not good enough. Now, where does that stem from? What do you hear from your clients? Is it the conditioning as we're growing up? Is it the habits that we're learning that's something that we learn from society or is it our personality it really is it's what we learn look some people and naturally more energetic and more interested and have busy minds what we're talking about here is that sense of pressure these standards being at the cost of the quality of our relationships like if we're so busy achieving or making sure the house is clean to the point where your partner is going, I never get to sit and just relax with you or your friends say, when are you going to ring us? You know, that those sorts of things where it's at the expense because the biggest thing that soothes our brains is social, good social connection. So it really should be a priority. And when you ask me, you know, where does that come from? It's interesting because when I work with clients, I always go backwards with it in as much as what do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? Where do you connect this with? And sometimes I use hypnosis with that. Sometimes it's, you know, people can do it more in a wake state, but they we go to the emotion. Where do you feel it? Where do you know that feeling from? And the majority of the time, people go back to a time in their childhood where it's either society expectations that you must succeed or you must be a certain way. Even with some religious sides, it can be you have to be the perfect Christian and you must never suck or complain. And, you know, we all need a bit of a complaint and a sook sometimes. We are human after all, right? So it's like trying to meet these external expectations. So with those external expectations, and I can just resonate with that because, you know, 
it could also be seeking approval from parents, seeking attention from parents, that we're always sort of striving in order to be to be heard, to feel safe, it could come in various forms and it becomes ingrained. So does it sort of stem back to how we're feeling? Yeah, I kind of understand where you're mm-hmm. coming from. The emotions are where the wisdom is. Go to the emotions, they'll, lead, they'll join the dots for you. We're not really trained to do that, but you're spot on. If as children we feel like love from our parents is conditional, on getting that A plus on the report card or on becoming whatever a career they feel is necessary or just, and it may be a social expectation that you should always look neat as a pin when you go outside. Don't ever go out in your tracky suit, right? Those sorts of things. But whatever it is, if that's there's that sense of I'm only valuable when I'm doing, when I'm achieving, then it becomes that, yeah, we're the carrot on the stick. We're always looking for that. And if you think about this, if you think of a small child that you may love and care about, say, you know, a four or five-year-old, and they sit in the middle of the room and they do absolutely nothing and you look at them, do you look at them and go, well, you're useless. You're not doing anything. You're not much of value, are you? We don't. We just go, aren't you adorable? And you're not achieving a darn thing. We have this innate beauty that we need reflected back to us. You said something really valuable there is how do we value ourselves and whether as an adult, are we valuing ourselves based on what we accomplish? So whether it's another degree, I have so many patients who are studying degrees, working full time and running a family. So is it just educating ourselves? Is it great success in so many ways? So is it title, money, status? In so many ways we can relate to that. So in order to be, to feel value or to be valued, are we rating ourselves based on these external measures? External yeah. measures. Yeah. And that's an exercise you can do is actually like, you know, make a spreadsheet sort of thing and write the names of the people who are important in your life. And, and it, some of it might be your social friends. It might be mom, dad, might be uncle George, whoever it is that has had an influence on you. And then write down what they want for you, what they expect for you. And that helps you separate. And you may want the same thing for yourself as somebody else does, but it helps you see where it's coming from. And really, ultimately, if you want to own your own life, if you want what's best for you, and the only person who can know that is you, it's a matter of going, well, what do I want? And what do I choose? And it's and knowing that your value comes from who you are. The value of who we are is much more about what comes out of our mouths, how we connect with people, where our values. It's not a certificate on the wall. If you want to do a certificate, great, go for it. But it's not where your value is. You can sit there, do nothing. You have innate value in you. And that's not what we're taught. We're not taught by society and we're not often not taught that with our parents. It's like, well, if you're going to be a good little girl, then you'll get mummy's smiles. If you're good enough, yeah. True. Can we dive deeper into unrelenting standards? And I know you've mentioned that a lot, but can you explain what that actually means? Probably one of the best ways I could explain that is by telling you a story. Right. This is me many years ago when my boys, I've got three sons and they were late primary school age and I was raising the three boys. I was uh, running a business. I had a few other things things going on as people often do and I was to the high and redundant standards I felt pressured from dawn till dusk I was trying to get everything done and I was sort of getting there except that I was cracking under the strain and there was this one particular day that it was late got home the kids were in the lounge room and I went into the laundry 
lovely to do laundry. And I opened the door, the laundry door, and there were some coats hanging on the back of it. And I was probably in a bit of a rush. I pushed the door open and it bounced against the wall and the door handle banged into my arm and quite, it hurt quite a lot. And I lost my lolly bag. <laughs> I just lost my lolly bag. I grabbed hold of that handle and I was pulling it backwards and forwards and I was shaking and I was screaming at it like a lunatic, saying some words I shouldn't have said. <laughs> and then I could, as my voice is coming out and I'm yelling at this door, there's another voice quietly in the back of my head going, Susan, the kids are behind you over there. I mean, I don't know whether they know anything about this or whether they were too busy engrossed in what they're doing. But I went, they don't need to see you like this. What are you doing? And then this other voice in my head goes, I've got too much to do. Everything I have to do. I have to do this. I have to do that. And then this other voice went, Susan, who's got the gun at your head? And that really pissed me off, right? <laughs> yes, so true. You took responsibility, Sue. Well, yeah, and I didn't want to because that voice came back up again. You know, it's not my fault. If my husband did more, if my kids left more, blah, 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 right? If people didn't expect so much from me and then that voice came back very quietly again, who's got the gun at your head? And I went, shit, nobody's (laughs) got the gun at my head. All right. Me, it's you. Yeah, I I was the one holding the gun at my head. And so... I'm standing there frozen in the laundry, holding this handle, looking at it, and all this is going on in my head. And I thought, I got to do something different. I've got to do something different. So I went and sat down and probably much later, but I sat down with pen and paper and I wrote down what was expected of me in my days. So I I had this long list of things that were expected of me and I went, looked at it and I went, right, it's clearly too much. I'm turning into a crazy person. So I need to take some things off that list. So I went down the list and I went, nope, can't give that away. Nope, can't give that away. Nope, 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 can't give that away. Nope, 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 nope. Got to the end of the list and I looked at it. And I thought, oh, I've just chosen to be crazy still. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I went, right, go to the top of the list again. Went, no, 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 I'm still crazy. No, 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 I'm still crazy. And then I thought, oh, dude, this isn't working. I'm so stuck here. I could not let go of these things. So this is how sticky these high unrelenting standards are, right? They're high and they're unrelenting. They never go. Yeah, that's right. They don't take a holiday. They don't care if you're sick or not or whether you've had no sleep. They're still there, right? So I thought, okay, clearly going through the list going, what can I give away wasn't working. So I went, okay, what can you not possibly give away? So I went backwards. And when I got to the end of the list, I went, well, for better or worse, those are the ones that have to go. And out of those lists, those ones on the list, some of them were ones where I could just cut the standard, you know, like, I don't know, I, I don't think I was a big ironer, but don't iron clothes, just fold carefully or whatever it is, right? Some of them were ones I actually handed to my partner and said, you know, I need some support. Then, And, and some of them were just, I paid people to do some of those jobs just to help ease it. Or, you know, I'd buy some healthy meals occasionally from a local restaurant and organize that. And it was interesting because it response in me, it was hard to do that, letting go of those things because there was this fear. And I'm going, okay, every time I kept going, what's the fear? What's the fear? If I don't do this or if I hand this over and it was things like maybe the children won't get fed properly, say if my husband's going to cook dinner, right, which tended to be pizza a lot, right? Probably too often. But, <laughs> but you know, and I had to weigh that up with, yes, but do they want a crazy mother or what? You know, whereas I need to be, and I used to say this to my kids, we're aiming for a sane mother. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're working towards here. Yeah. So it was interesting, but some of it was just an unknown fear. And I'm thinking, well, it was like, it won't be good enough. 
but good enough for who or good enough for what? And, you know, I started to realize that, well, you know, that it wasn't worth, because that's the thing, there's a cost in these high unrelenting standards and it's your stress levels. It impacts on, you know, if we're stressed, we get tend to get cranky at the people we love, right? So it, therefore it affects our relationships. So that was a really tough lesson for me, but a very valuable one. And it's so crazy, right? Because a lot of these things are illusions, but we don't know they are. We don't know that they're paper tigers until we actually test them. And I remember being like, almost like going, and holding my breath when I gave some of these away and going, it's going to be all right, so it's going to be all right. And then I'd look back and I'd go, okay, my partner did that. Wasn't quite how I wanted it, but it works. I can let that go. So it's a learning to be accustomed to that too. Yeah. I loved that story. Absolutely love it. And do you see that in your clients, that similar story of just 101 things to do, but the fear of handing it over or restructuring it or finding other solutions, the fear of letting go? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We're doing those things for a reason. A part of our brain believes that we need to do them. We need to be a certain standard, like we were referring to earlier with parents that who have given that conditional love. It's like, if I'm not being the people pleaser, which is a form of that, and making sure the house is tidy and making sure that the boss is happy and everybody's happy with me, will I lose the love? Will I lose the respect? And we all need that strong sense of belonging. There's a reason though why there's that fear there. But a lot of those fears are unfounded. They're outdated from childhood. Yeah. And so it really is about reevaluating that. And you have to test it. You have to sort of put it out there and see, is that a paper tiger or not? Right. And these are your wise words, Sue. And I've said these on previous podcasts, permission to play. Oh, yeah. The way you described that was just try it. Just try and see how it goes. It doesn't have to always be right, but just to try and play around with it. Because if you don't even try, you're never going to move forward. Correct. Yeah. Or see it as an experiment just for a week. What would happen if? It's such an interesting concept, isn't it? You can do it with so many things. What would happen if for a week I didn't say no to anything? I mean, barring safety stuff, of course, but you know, just playing with that idea. It's like, wow, it opens up our brain to so many opportunities. And that sharing of those responsibilities and taking the risk of not being an A grade student, for example, and seeing what happens is so important because as long as you're doing those higher and relenting standards, you are repeating the message to your brain that, phew, lucky you got that perfect, phew, lucky you got that high enough, you still got love and attention around you, phew, lucky you did those things. But you won't know if you're loved for who you are unless you sit in the middle of the room like that four-year-old and just do nothing for a while. And see if you're still loved. And this reminds me actually, Sue, when you do put pressure on yourself and it may not work to what you're expected mm-hmm. to use self-compassion. I use that as a drug and go, show me that's okay. It's okay. It didn't work perfectly. I put that in inverted commas, but it's okay. And mistakes do happen and things don't always go to plan. And I always have to remind myself about self-compassion. Yeah, and that is actually an important thing is it's the antidote to what we were saying before. If you've got a parent who says, you know, you come home with an A on your report card and they say, why didn't you get an A plus? Then your impression is, oh, I'm not going to get those smiles. I'm not going to get that acceptance from my parents. I'm not going to get that unless I get it perfect. And so the antidote, because we internalize that voice. So when we're at work and we go, gee, I didn't get 100% on that, or gee, I missed that, or oh, I made a mistake there, which we all do all the time regularly. If we don't 
be compassionate about that. If we use the same voice that was given to us as children, then we're going to go, oh, I'm such an idiot. I did that wrong. I can't believe I stuffed up there. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. When in actual fact, if you bring that compassionate voice and go, hey, and a good way to do that compassionate voice or to get in tune with it is sometimes think of someone who you can relate to. Like for me, when I was working through those high unrelenting standards, it was my sister. I would go, if my sister was in this position and she'd done this, what would I say to her? And it was never as harsh as I would have said to myself. So I need that compassionate voice. And that's the antidote. We need someone, even if it's ourself, part of our own brain saying to us, it's okay to make mistakes and you still have value. There's a part of you that can't be hurt or damaged by anything anyone has said or done or you have ever said and done. I There's love that. Yeah. I love and it's so important. Yeah. We need to come home to that. Absolutely. You've touched on so many great tips and I would love to summarize as we move towards the end of the podcast, you know, what's the first step someone could take? I think this podcast most likely will raise awareness of, and so many people will resonate, I have to say, raise that awareness of actually, do you know what? I am doing a lot of things is high unrelenting standards. What can I do to move towards a bit more peace and less stress? What would you say? Mm, I would say if you can resonate with that all. It's definitely worth checking it out. Like writing a list of where you expect a lot from yourself, where you expect that perfectionism, right? Writing down the costs, right? Because one of the first things we want to do is motivate ourselves to change. Like you're not going to bother doing anything else if you go, oh, it's not that bad, really. But it's not until we really look at that. So, you know, some lists like that can help. Talking to people we love and trust, a partner, if you've got that good relationship with them and, you know, say you want to know because you want to learn, you know, maybe it's a friend, whoever it is, they can help give you some perspective. Many years ago, I had a little practice that I was doing, which was every so often, probably about once or twice a year, I would find, I think of someone I loved and trusted. It was mostly friends, ones that knew me. And I'd say, tell me two things you love about me and one thing that I can use to learn and grow. And I had one lady in particular, I remember her saying, hmm, two things I love, not a problem. Gave me two things. I went, oh, that's good. And then she went, hmm, about the second one. And she was hesitating and I was starting to sweat a bit. And then she went, okay, Sue, you've got to learn to say stuff it more often. (laughs) (laughs) And it might have been a different word to that one. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but that and I I was so shocked that I, you know, we both nearly fell off the chairs laughing. But then I, I said, What do you mean? How do you mean? And she said, Well, you just gotta say stuff it. And I did not have a picture in my head. And I said, Can you give me some examples? And she gave me some real life examples where I had to make sure the room was perfect before I left work. And I went, Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, within the next week I was about to leave the door, shut the door, and I saw something on a shelf that was in the wrong place. And I went, I'll just need to, and I went, pause, and I went, stop it. (laughs) I walked away, right? And the interesting thing about that was over the years, people were still telling me that story. So we don't change those things overnight. It's a work in progress. Yeah, so getting some objective opinions is really good. I'm working on this. Is there any way you can see that I'm doing this? I'm open for your information, and I can learn from that, yeah? So that, I think, would be the first, very first step. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sue, for today's podcast. So valuable. Lots and lots and lots of tips. And thank you so much. And we'll see you again, I'm sure, in season three. (laughs) 
<laughs> absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and spread this information because my gosh, we so need it. We so need it. We so need it. Lovely talking to you, Shemi. Thank you, Sue. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.